I'm Heather. And I'm Corey. And this is Movie Shelf, where we talk about movies, movie trivia, and just about anything related to pop culture. We're glad you're here. In today's episode, we're talking about Captain Marvel. Yay! I'm so excited for this. (laughs) We'll also take a brief look into our top picks of the entire MCU. Our top ten of the movies so far. And we'll also chat about some movies that are coming out that we're looking forward to. And, of course, we'll enjoy a side of bacon. Mmm, bacon. So, Captain Marvel finally was here. We got to see it. We adored it. Spoiler, we're just letting you know ahead of time. That we did enjoy it. But before we really get into those details, let's talk a little bit about what the movie's about. Okay. So, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Veers, (laughs) (laughs) is one of the most, if not the most, powerful Marvel superhero. Uh, that's questionable, but we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll... I'm still holding to it. She's the most powerful. (laughs) And we're introduced to her as Veers who is a mighty Kree warrior fighting for um, their enemies, the Skrulls. Um, and they're a shape-shifting race. Uh-huh. Um, and as far as being introduced in the movie, that's about all we know for, about them. Yes. And so while they're on a mission, she is captured by the Skrulls, who find a way to scan her brain. Her memories. Yes. And, and, and we also learned that she doesn't have these... Like, she doesn't have memories beyond six years. Yeah, it's kind of like your typical amnesia case. She, the, right. These memories exist in her head, but she, for some reason, does not have access to them. So she right. has not regained her memory since her amnesia moment. But, you know, just like a, you know, lost files in a computer, they, they are in there. Yeah. And so these scrolls have abilities to still access those uh, suppressed or repressed memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we learn just as she's learning that there's there's more to her story, and and she I think we got a taste of it even at the beginning of the movie. She's having dreams, and we realize she, or we learn she doesn't like to sleep because she doesn't like to have these dreams, and these dreams seem to be some of these flashbacks, but she just can't process them because she's not able to connect the dots. So this capture though it results in her dropping in um, into Earth circa 1995 or six ish. Yep. Straight into a blockbuster. Let's <laughs> <laughs> look at it right next door to a Radio Shack. Yeah. Looks like. And Radio Shack apparently is everything you need to make an out of this world or out of this planet. An intergalactic phone call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which she does make so that she can kind of communicate with her fellow Kree warriors across the galaxy. Call for some backup. Yes. I think we were watching a, a video, a YouTube video, and they were comparing it to E.T. using the um, telespell yeah. to make an a, a intergalactic <laughs> the, the phone call. The speaking spell, I think it was. Um, so I guess she had the same mantra. But, but uh, I, I didn't notice it in the movie, but I think that someone said that, that she used the Game Boys yeah, somehow I don't, in, in her... Yeah. We probably did get a glimpse of something she was taking apart, but yeah. I didn't pay enough attention, I guess. At some point, she connects with a very young... Or younger Nick Fury. Um, and Agent Coles' back since this before he died. Yes. Um, he's the rookie of the, the squad, the S.H.I.E.L.D. squad. And interesting, Nicholas Fury, he's not that high up in the S.H.I.E.L.D. 
program either because you know they he showed his badge at one point and it said like security level three yeah he's definitely a field and agent. yeah he he's definitely lower level because you know he he's at his disappointment he doesn't have access to some of the secret stuff that shield is involved in either you know mm. they kind of okay oh oh you're here now okay well we're gonna lock you in this room while we <laughs> figure out what we're gonna do with you yeah <laughs> So she kind of buddies up with um, Fury as they work together to kind of rid this planet of these aliens. So the cast, um, it's a pretty good cast. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson is reprising yes. his role as Nick Fury. And I forgot, I don't remember his name, but it's the same Agent Coulson guy. Yes. Uh-huh. And amazingly, they look super fabulously young. Yeah, they, they worked <laughs> some computer guru magic or... Visual, visual Maybe they hired somehow. the guy that did the Justice League, you know, mustache removing. Or oh, something. Well, no, no, that guy was awful. <laughs> um, so Brie Larson is Captain Marvel, and I only know her from a couple of things, which is Kong Skull Island. Yes, um, which she was with, you know, Samuel L. Jackson in with several other MCU uh, actors, at least. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then we, I think, first were introduced to her in Room. Yes. Definitely, it's a dramatic movie. There's suspense because of the situation she's in. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so it's it's just, and I think she did a phenomenal job. For the longest time, it's just a three person cast, and then a few other people. And then show the up. whole world opens up. Yeah, which you know, just a really quick, you know, not on on that movie. They did a good job portraying that the boy in the movie. He grows up in his mind, the universe being the space between these four walls. Mm-hmm. I mean, she kind of raised him to believe there is nothing. Beyond those walls, nothing exists beyond those walls, mm-hmm. you know. And then when they do the escape attempt, all of a sudden, he, he I mean, he, he goes in for like a heck of a mind job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, it was a cool movie. So Jude Law, he is one of the Kree warriors that is training Captain Marvel or Brie Larson or Veers. And then Annette Benning is in it as well. Sometimes we see her, I guess for the most part, we see her as a figment. And you'll learn more about that when you see the movie. And then one of the buddies for Brie Larson or Captain Marvel is Lashana Lynch. And I'm not really familiar with her, but I thought she did a great job in the film. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I'm saving him for last because I thought he did an excellent job. <laughs> Your favorite acting portrayal of this actor so far yeah, in this is, movie is Ben Mendelsohn. So this was my this is my favorite movie that I've seen him in, or his my favorite movie performance for him. Which a lot of people may most likely remember him from as Sorrento in Ready Player One. Yes, I which imagine. I was so disappointed in because he can be he's a he can be a strong. Actor, like which a we saw in this, in this movie, finally. Yes, but they made him be such a wimp. I think is Sorrento, and and when you read the book, or like us, we listen to the book, which I highly recommend because it was very entertaining to listen to. <laughs> His character is a strong character. Yes, you don't want to mess with Sorrento. He's very conniving, and they just for some reason when they had him in Ready Player One, they turned him into a Weasley character, and I was just like, wow, that was just silly. Why'd you do that? And I didn't see, we haven't seen the the newest Robin Hood, but he was also in Rogue One. And again, he was a Weasley character. It's like, he's not, he doesn't have to be a Weasley guy. You can make him be a strong guy. In both of those movies, like a a Weasel with authority somehow. Yeah. So it's like, why is he in charge of everyone? And I was first introduced to him though in the, it's a Netflix show, I believe called Bloodline. I think it's only gone for the three seasons. And I think that was it. And I actually only watched the first season, but he plays one of the key roles and his personality in that is, is a lot of fun. He's kind 
kind of the, the black sheep of the family and, and he does a great job. And I think he kind of honed into some of that for this film. And I thought he just did an excellent job. So I'm curious if one of the reasons why you may liked his acting portrayal in this movie is because earlier in the movie, he does come off with that Weasley with authority. I know. When he's in, in one, well, what to say in one character, but then when you see him as another character, you see his acting really blossom out. Yeah, well, you know? he's just a, his, the personality is so much more engaging. Um, but I, yes, you're right. The, the moment, yeah. the first time I saw him thinking and knowing that I was seeing him, if that makes sense, I was like, oh my goodness, you are making him the same character that he's been in as Sorrento and as Rogue One. Why'd you do that? And then all of a sudden, the walls came down, and it was great. <laughs> and I wonder if some of that may have been kind of sub- subliminal for him, because w- when he transitions to the other character, he he's able to let go of the American accent portrayal, and he actually embraces a little bit more of his Australian dialect, I guess, when he's being himself. Because then, in, in essence, in this other character, he is more so being himself, if you want to look at it in that Probably. sense. Probably. So you get to see him be a little bit more natural when he's acting. I didn't know he was Australian. <laughs> but again, I first first saw him in Bloodline, where he's playing, you know, this American. But guy. It, it, it definitely came through more when you when you saw him. Was yeah. the other character when his guards down and he's being more natural? Yeah, it'd be so, someone that I want to actually have a conversation with. Yeah. I guess maybe I just don't like. Well, I don't like his authoritative. American. American authority. <laughs> Person. You want the laid back Australian dude. Yeah. Or like in Bloodline, he's that has like, green skin in and West. Po- that and- has green skin and pointed ears, all, strangely, while he's doing that. But. Oh, well, now you've just given a spoiler. <laughs> Continuing on some of these things that we liked, I definitely, of course, we. I, I think Ben Mendelsohn did a great job um, and kind of helped carry this film quite a bit. Um, I mean, of course... Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson did it a phenomenal job, but I think it was a great ensemble of characters. Yes. I am always a fan of Jude Law, so I enjoy getting to see him in things, and he kind of lived up to expectations I had, which that's not a bad thing. He did a great job, but he definitely lived up to the what I was assuming he would be. And to me, I, I would have to say that this is probably the most interesting acting I've ever seen from Annette Bening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She was probably pretty interesting, and you know, what planet are you from? And, you know, That's true, but but in this, this movie, I mean, good because you see several sides of her acting in this movie. Yeah, she she definitely has, and especially when she when she got a little snarky, it's like, oh wow, I, this is an interesting in that opinion to see here. <laughs> Well, speaking of snarky, that's actually one thing I really liked in the film. I liked some of the snarky personalities. I think that Captain Marvel or, or Carol Danvers. Yeah, Carol Danvers, she'll snark, snark through the whole movie. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, <laughs> but it was, it was enjoyable, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like rude snarky. No. It was kind of like, you're my friend and we've got a fun relationship. You know, and she was quick to, to bring that on, even with um, with when she meets up with Fury. So I thought that was really fun. To me, it kind of makes the person very personable. I feel like we've heard some comments that she was very stoic or something, or not emotional. Yes. But I, I didn't have any problem with her emotional level. I thought she was totally just fine. To me, snarky is a level of emotion. <laughs> and a lot of times, it's a way to deflect. Yeah, I mean, you they, don't, they have emotion. Crying you know? is not the only emotion out there. So, yes. in fact, some people say that she was emotional, but from the very beginning of the movie, you have Jude Law that's keeps telling her you, you gotta you gotta keep your emotions in check because yeah. she's having trouble containing these emotions yeah. actually so 
So yeah, she's, for probably the past six years or so, she's been told, control, control, control. Yeah. <laughs> or restrain, restrain, restrain. <laughs> <laughs> and I I did enjoy getting to see these, kind of the beginnings for Fury. You already kind of mentioned some of those things, but you know, seeing him being the one that's not fully in charge of everything, and just kind of the beginnings of of how some of the projects come to be, of all these things that he puts together in the future with the Avengers. I like how there's a lot of small details that are well interconnected with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of nods to a lot of the other different movies. One, uh, I mean, I don't think these would be spoilers, but in the beginning of the Avengers movie, they're in the Pegasus facility. And in this movie, you kind of see the beginnings of the Pegasus project. So there's a, I mean, a, a good nod as as far as that goes. Yeah, or and then I think we were learning that, uh, and it, and it was definitely evident. But there's a good connection between you know Captain Marvel and Guardians. Oh yes. of the galaxy. yeah, there's several nods. To I each think other there's there. a lot of similarity. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that you know one of the actors and I'm, I butcher his name all the time, so I won't even try. But he's the guy that plays Ronan. Well, yeah, the, the, there's the him, but that's not who I was and then, thinking. And then his and the nod to his the, helper. That's you know the. Uh, the but not yet guy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you may have to explain the that. gladiator guy. Um, I always call him, but not yet. I assume his name is like so Jimon, cool or I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so he, you know, he of course has a run in with um, Peter Quill, and and then of course you know he's in this movie as well. So there's runs in, yeah, with Captain Marvel. Yeah, he's part so. of her original team. So I thought that was really good. Just also the aesthetics were very similar. Um, you know, they talked about the jumping to light speed is very similar with the. Well, yeah. So look. so both the uh, Captain Marvel and the Guardians movies they had these little jump portals through space that mm-hmm. they use. Uh, you see them use similar intergalactic coordinates for different planets, right? Which is really interesting. And they both use have reference of have have like like an in neck universal translator. So both movies makes a reference to that, which is really interesting. And then the way they could breathe in space, they had the same type of... Yes, a little technology there. Yeah. So yeah. definitely a lot of connections. And we're speculating, we're wondering if Peter Quill has had his run-in with a Cree female. Uh, if um, there's and, a little flashback of that, yes. <laughs> if, maybe that was, if maybe that was, you know, Captain Marvel, the, the Cree warrior. The movie definitely had a girl power vibe, which of course I like. Oh yes, which is... We're seeing another not too long ago movie of a superheroine. Yeah, we need more of these movies. <laughs> One of your favorite movies that you watch all the time is Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Wonder Woman movie, uh, <laughs> which yes. of course was definitely girl power and very well done. Yeah, and I thought this one—I don't think there's a need to compare them by any means. I yeah. think this was just another great girl power movie, and I didn't. Maybe I'm biased because I am, you know, a girl. Um, but <laughs> really, <laughs> I didn't think it was totally in your face. I don't know if you felt like it was totally in your face. The, the girl power. Because I didn't think it was like girls rule, boys drool no, kind no, of thing. I, it was yeah. just that girls can do it too. You know, I think I think it had a good amount of touching on that subject, yeah. and it wasn't overdone. Yeah. So, yeah. so I had no problems with it with that at all. Awesome. Because yeah, I thought it was just you know, you you don't stay down, you get up, you keep yes. on going. And, of course, I, I think I feel like I mention this all the time with other movies, but I enjoyed the 90s nostalgia, of course. <laughs> um, when she falls into Blockbuster, it's like, oh, I remember Blockbuster. And the music was really fun. So my PF Fun soundtrack. Movies at the times. Were- yes. When she falls in, we see right there a True Lies cutout 
and a babe poster. And, and I'm not going to mention the movie, but uh, another another really awesome nod is when you see the Stanley cameo in this movie. Yeah. You'll just have to watch the scene for yourself, but it is the, the timing placement was ingenious on, yeah. on how they did this. So I was totally going to mention what the movie was or with more details of the cameo, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Stanley, first off, the Stanley tribute at the beginning of the film oh, yes, was great. That. Yes. Um, and very touching. And I think you were, you're hoping that maybe they'll sustain it through somebody like, but you're not sure. I don't know. Maybe you're not hoping. Well, no, I mean, I mean, th- this one movie was definitely not because this is the the first MCU movie to come out since his death. So, you know, I'm okay if, it, if they just do it this, this one time. Okay. But yeah, but you know, the little Marvel logo that they've had that be the beginning of all the Marvel movies, and with all the different clips from the different superheroes. Well, here, all the clips and all the scenes are all just all of Stanley's cameos. And then I think you said so. We've actually we've seen the movie twice now. Which is great. And I think on one of the times that we saw it, I didn't get to see that cameo or that the tribute yet. Yeah, I think um, you're getting your press alert or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, what it was it was an interesting <laughs> uh, and I have a shout out for that in a little bit, but um it was an interesting concession experience, I think. Another one? Wow. <laughs> but I think you said that the people in the theater clapped. Oh yeah. Which was great. So yes. great. But yeah, on one of the times we saw the film, we actually saw it as a fan event. Um so we got like a coin, like a it's military style coin, uh, but a Captain Marvel coin. But anyway, yeah, for that my shout out is because we at the concession we also got free popcorn and then I think I got the drinks and and they have a horrible tray. Like the tray that they give you to put the drinks in and <laughs> stuff in the tray. First off, it's convex. Yeah, it's not flat. <laughs> yeah, so if you put stuff in it, it's all wobbly. Like a big bag of popcorn with a really small base. <laughs> and then I put the drinks in their little cup holder things, and they were not stable. So my shout-out is giving some good cheers to the Cinemark manager who was there, and I'm sure she was observing me for a little bit because I was carefully walking with the popcorn and the drinks in the tray. And I think there was a hot dog there, too, or something. And things started going Yeah, and I, every step I took, <laughs> the cups just started coming closer to me. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is not going to be good. And I kind of got into a point of no return. Like, if I'd gone, continued on to the theater, or if I even if I went back to the concession, there would be chaos. There would have been but a I, wet I floor get, somewhere. Yes, or a wet me. <laughs> But I could get to the little booster seats that were stacked up on the wall. I could get there. And then, so as I walked over there, the manager came and she rescued me. And she's like, do you need help? I think you need help. How about I grab this? And so she grabbed the popcorn. And I still had the drinks in the, the tray. And it was still not working because they were still just falling. So she grabbed a drink. I was like, okay, good. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to bother to make something that's going to hold popcorn and drinks, it needs to be a little bit more well done and thought out. Yeah, they need at least, yeah, either flat trays or maybe concave, but convex is not working. (laughs) But yeah, so that's my little derailment. But my shout out and cheers to the um, Cinemark manager who helped me out. She helped me take everything all to the seat. But because of that, I missed the Stanley tribute. (laughs) But... The cameo is really great. It's a very sweet little moment in kind of a 
little intense scene. Yes. Um, but definitely listen to what he's saying. If if you don't already know the spoiler, because, I mean, it's been all over Twitter and everywhere. But definitely listen to what he's saying. Read what he's reading. And you should hopefully get a very a good kick out of it. I also like this origin story format. So instead of it being kind of the story of we see the person grow up and then they become and then, you know, and then they have their villain and then we're done. Yeah. It was kind of we start in the middle and you know where she already has powers yes and then she's figuring things out as we're figuring things out all while everything is still happening so we are learning as she is learning but we're not necessarily having to go and derail and learn all about her history yeah you're given just enough of the flashbacks to be able to easily put all the pieces together yeah you're you're definitely given some more flashbacks than to be able to fit things together in the, like, Alita, I would say, which <laughs> I don't think they give us enough of. <laughs> yeah. You know, but there's, you know, and there's some films where I feel like they kind of take a moment to go back in time, and it feels like almost half the movie now we're back in time, and then yeah. we fast forward, and it's like, oh, yeah, wait, I forgot, this is what we're dealing with. And um, yeah, the, the black box scene did seem, like, a little long. <laughs> yeah. But, Yeah. But kind of um, necessary. But yes, that was that was definitely very helpful for uh, to to kind of wrap up all the breadcrumbs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I did definitely like the origin story format. I thought they did a great job. All right. So, in addition to Ben Mendelsohn being kind of you know one of my favorite characters in the film, another favorite character for me is the cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. It, I, well. Technically, it was not a cat. Yes, the the flurkin. Yes, yeah, it was a. But even flirkin. before it became known to be a flurkin, and it was just a cat, it was still probably one of my favorites, just because Samuel L. Jackson and the cat have quite the yeah, relationship. The flurkin. The flurkin, yes. <laughs> which, which in most aspect has the same look as a Earth cat. Yes, I think it looks like a tabby cat or something like that. But it definitely has some major differences, <laughs> as we come to find out. And um, But it was definitely really fun. The cat's name is Goose, which was very appropriate um, since uh, a lot of the, the theme of the Earth part of, um, at least for Carol Danvers, is Air Force and pilots. And yeah. so, of course, you'd want Goose to be your wingman. And the original <laughs> owner of the Flurkin, I guess, kind of viewed as the pet as their wingman, so yeah. they named the Goose. Which, interestingly, in the original comic book, the Flurkin was named... Chewy, mm-hmm. as in the best sideman in the galaxy, yeah. I guess, in that universe. All right. So I also enjoyed, I don't, well, I, I didn't fully research to see if the colors really did have a meaning. I'm just hoping they had a meaning. Um, but at some point, Captain Marvel decides she needs to have new colors on her suit. And her yeah. suit can just magic, not magically, but technically. Technology, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, change colors and so she has a, a little girl helping her change the colors well and- the original color was the color of the original first captain marvel so that the, the, the like original, the red and gold no, or no just the, the 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 green and off green whatever oh okay. yeah so that was a kind of a nod to the original captain marvel character and then i remember seeing color. the black and gold and that's yes that's at least the captain marvel or the miss marvel that i'm more sure picturing yes. from like when we played our game so I, I enjoyed some of those And even thoughts. some of the animated features that we saw, and I believe it was the, the black and gold mm-hmm. outfit as well. Yes, yes. So I I appreciated that little nod. And we even watched that there's all sorts of little Easter, Easter eggs um, and nods to, 
to kind of keep oh, an eye out for. A whole bunch of stuff, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is always fun. So going back to one of the things you really liked was how it was kind of beautifully interconnected with the other MCU movies. Yes, definitely. Um, which I got a kick out of because when you know after you first saw it. You were concerned because you thought it was changing some of the plots. So we had to actually go and refresh our memory on some things. Uh, I did. I did. And then uh, you were like, "Oh!" And it was, and it just, it just does show how beautifully it was connected. So I, I just thought that was great. It's like a great. It just fits perfectly into the MCU. Yeah, I thought they pulled a fast one on us. I was <laughs> like, "Wait a minute!" I actually had to rewatch uh, the first Captain America because I thought they pulled a fast one on us. So like, oh no! Okay, so this is kind of making sense. So. I guess, so in the first Avengers movie, the company of Pegasus has, well, I, I guess you could say is a splinter group of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, or, or under S.H.I.E.L.D. jurisdiction to some, to some point, but they have they have ownership of the Tesseract, mm-hmm. and I guess the... Which is when we see Loki steal it, right? Yes. Yeah. Which uh, Carol Danvers' boss, I guess, is working for Pegasus and experimenting with it back in the mid-90s. So it does all fit together. So Pegasus has it in the mid-90s. Pegasus still has it at the beginning of the Marvel movies. So everything still fits. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Which I, at first I thought they were pulling fast. I was like, nope, nope. Okay. Yeah, he's they're, like, they're it's on the this. bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I thought it was on the bottom of the ocean until the Avengers <laughs> movie. But no, when you rewatch Captain America, they actually, they, they got the Tetra out almost right away. It wasn't until decades later when they got Captain America out of the yeah. ocean. <laughs> frozen ocean. He had, a, he had to stay frozen for a bit. All right, Corey, what's the verdict? Does Captain Marvel make the movie shelf? I'm going to say yes. Yes for me. I actually, I think as we walked out of the movie, I told you it's on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, It's such a great film. I thought they did a fantastic job, not only portraying the power of the character, but it was a great ensemble cast as well, strong cast. It was so much fun to see the Young Fury and kind of the origins of the Avenger project yes. and things of that nature. And then also... All the interconnected nods to all the other MCU movies was really well done. I thought it was really smart the way they portrayed her. Yes. And it was not necessarily your stereotypical... Origin story. Yeah. yeah. Or even just your stereotypical way of portraying <clears throat> a female superhero character dressed, you know, perhaps a little bit more appropriate for, like, what you would expect a, a modern superhero to dress like. And But anyway, so I thought they just did a, a really good job. Plus, she was not wearing heels, which is also impressive, too. <laughs> I, I find it fascinating when they have women fighting in heels or like oh my goodness in Jurassic World where Bryce Dallas Howard was running in heels yeah, the entire running through the forest in heels yeah like <laughs> that's gonna happen so um but yeah I thought they were really smart with the way they portrayed Captain Marvel it was just a lot of fun great cast go see it look for those easter eggs definitely look for that Stan Lee cameo because it's very sweet and then go research it if you hadn't already learned about the cameo and go see and then the nod to the other movie that cameo portrays. So instead of having our individual picks of the week, we're going to kind of just do the top 10 MCU movies since this is our first MCU podcast. Yes. And this was a little difficult because there's they're all so great. Yeah, there's over 20 of them. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we decided to not worry about Captain Marvel because it's already, you know, it's it's great. Um, but we decided to go ahead and talk about our top 10 other MCU movies. And I think we'll just list these in, in release order just to be easy. 
okay. Not necessarily say which one's our favorite to our 10th favorite, but just our top 10 favorite in the order that they were released. Okay. <clears throat> so first we got Iron Man, which when you are going to have a movie that does an origin story, I think that Iron Man definitely does it right. Yeah. I also, I did like the fact that, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it's a, it's a little broken up, but it's all action oriented. It's not so much that we have to go back in time too much or anything like that. It's, it's, just, it's kind of continuous. So I do like yes. that. And then of course, uh, oh, the phenomenal success of the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Which before it seems like whenever you have a movie that has like either multiple villains or multiple heroes, it's a disaster. So people were like, I mean, everybody was like crossing their fingers and toes, hoping that this was going to work. And it just blew away everybody's expectations on how well a movie can be done with multiple heroes yeah in it they did they did an excellent job i think it worked well that there were so many little breadcrumbs working up to it you know like oh oh there's you know there's this person oh they got this person and so we knew the people that were going to come to the party essentially because even though that's not on our top 10 list you did have you know a captain america movie the thor movie and even incredible hulk which Ties into the MCU, and there was a different actor playing the Hulk. And so, but we so, did yeah. like that one. But uh, yeah, a lot lead up to it to get us ready for it, for sure. And I, I think one of the most, the greatest part, I think, of the Mar- Marvel's Avengers movie is just in the end when they're fighting in the city. And like, and you see them all fighting kind of individually, for the most part. And then all of a sudden something clicks, and they start all working together. And it's like, oh my goodness, everything... Is just to be, you know, kind of cheesy and cliche, it was synergized and it just was amazing. As Fury says, they needed the push. <laughs> and then of course I do enjoy the the puny god scene. <laughs> I pretty much like anything for Loki. Which uh, you get again in Ragnarok, but yes. <laughs> All right, so what came next? Well, the next on our list is the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And, oh, my goodness. I mean, just pure indulgent fun in a movie. (laughs) Definitely a lot of fun. And, again, we've talked about this before, but I think sometimes for us, the movie soundtracks really help the movie. So it was an awesome soundtrack. Um, you know, and and the fact that the soundtrack pretty much is almost a character for the film because it's the mixtape that his mother made. You know, it's just it has it's so- his Walkman. It's his last <laughs> thing that he owns from Earth. You know, it's like no. <laughs> um, so it, it had such great power. Not only you know, in addition to it just being great music, there was great meaning for all that music. Yes. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It was such a colorful environment. Um, I think you still get a kick anytime you see the dance off. <laughs> I don't think there could be anything more unexpected than that scene. And that I mean, because I mean, it was, I mean, you're talking about in a situation where, where it all seems to be lost. You're in, they're at their most bleakest moment, and all of a sudden, this happens. Really? <laughs> all right. So, what is next on our list? Ant Man. Okay. So this one was really fun. Again. Yes. Just a lot of fun, a lot of humor. I think uh, Michael Pena, I think he kind of helped make the movie for me. Um, I mean, <laughs> anytime anybody says back it up, I'm just thinking, back it up, back it up. And, and, and the way they made the whole world look the way oh, yeah, they yeah. do when you're small. It's Thomas the really Train, fantastic. you know, giant sized is awesome. And I also did really, I don't remember his name, but I really liked the guy that played the villain. Um, I just thought he had, had a fun personality. I really liked him. So again... Good villain, good music, good humor, always are good things. 
But we also saw it with um, my family, and my littlest nephew was there, and he may, I can't remember how old he was at that point in time, but let's say he was, I don't know if he was like six or something. Oh my goodness. He was so into that movie. It, it was, was on the edge of his seat the whole time. Yes. It was quite entertaining to have his enthusiasm into that movie, whether he was excited or distressed. I mean, there was one moment where he was like, no, Scott. <laughs> and we had to assure him that Scott was okay. Um, but yeah, they did a great job. I also love the, like, when they're in the the briefcase and the iPod is going. It's just <laughs> so great. And of course, he totally geeks out over the, the giant Thomas train. Also, the, the giant ant as well. And, yeah. you know, the little cuteness of that. Yes. That uh, that almost had, like, a uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibe. <laughs> Next on our list, Avengers 2, a.k.a. Age of Ultron. All right. So, speaking of villains, I thought that um, James Spader did a great job. I, I know you always like to mention that... You weren't really hearing Ultron. You were hearing... <laughs> Red Reddington. <laughs> well, I've been a fan of, of James Spader ever since Stargate. Yeah. So. And I know, I think my dad made the comment a long time ago that he feels that James Spader does a better villain than a better good guy. And I thought he did a great job being the bad guy in Ultron. And I think he was really just, you know, kind of this computer that just kept on learning and kept on growing and, you know, and and wanted to make things perfect. Yes. One to cleanse the world, which is, you know, doesn't sound very good for us. <laughs> yeah. That almost sounds a little um, Thanos-like, actually. Yeah. Except half, he just wants to do all. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really good. We get to be introduced to a few more characters. Um, yeah, because yeah. then the vision gets created. Right, which I thought was excellent. It, it, Scarlet it's, Witch comes into play. Yes. And for that, you know, we knew that Paul Bettany has been Jarvis the whole time. Yes. And so it was a lot of, I thought it was just, it was great to be able to see Paul Bettany actually. Become embodied with the voice. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Okay. Next is uh, Captain America 3 Civil War. Okay. Which a lot of people jokingly call Avengers 2.5 because it has everybody except Thor and the Hulk in it. Mm. <laughs> which we see what they're doing at the same time in uh, another movie, which we'll mention later. <laughs> and I'm actually. I think I'm a little bit more on the fence about this one because it's one of those things where you're a team and the team is splitting and it's just frustrating and this person's just not listening to that person or this person just doesn't have all the information and it's like, why are you splitting? Yeah, so you got this character named Zemo who's from Sarkovia who kind of acts as the Yoko Ono to the Avengers, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> And I, I think, so one thing, though, I did enjoy about that film was kind of that end fight scene um, with, you know, bringing in Spider-Man. Yeah, you, you, they bring in the, the new Spider-Man, which and is he's awesome. Just, he's just so, so fun. And I think my, my favorite actor or portrayal of Spider-Man so far. Hmm? Yeah, he he did a great job. And it was, it was enjoyable to see him being in awe of these superheroes. Yes. You know, and... And so that was just, that was a lot of fun. And you could see that they're fighting, but they didn't want to fight with each other. You know, even I think Scarlet Witch kind of gets mad at Hawkeye or I think it was Hawkeye. Well, yeah. Um, because, you know, he felt he was pulling his punches against Black Widow or vice versa. And, you know, it's just like, no, 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 no. You know, there's a there's relations here. You can't just <laughs> yeah. you know flip a switch. And... Yeah, it's a civil war for a reason. I mean, they, they were all friends, and then they have difference of opinions that puts them on opposite sides of the, yeah. uh, of, the of this line. Unfortunately, 
All right, so what is next? Doctor Strange. All right, so another really fun one. Which I've been a, a fan of the character Doctor Strange for years. You know, mm-hmm. always hoping that they would come out with a Doctor Strange movie, which it did not disappoint. I thought it was, it was well done. Yeah, I feel like you were nervous at first that Cumberbatch was going to be Doctor Strange. I was, I was. Like, I was but I don't think you were super familiar with all the greatness that he had already done. And I was like, he's a great Sherlock. He's, you know, all these great things. Well, I, you know, I've seen him in, in uh, earlier movies, you know, you know that debuted his acting abilities, you know, so. Well, he definitely did a great job. Yes. I think he did well with um, the seriousness being, you know, portraying being this highly intelligent and talented surgeon and, you know, conceited surgeon. Oh, very, very, yeah, very uh, over-believing in his abilities, for sure. And then also... But, you know, they could be well-established over-believing in his abilities. (laughs) Yeah. And then also someone who eventually has to be humble and but and then there's also that humor element of course the cape was really fun yes and and then i feel like it was very inspired by inception the way they were always making everything kind yes. of move especially is, when they go into the the mirror dimensions as, yeah. as they call it so what's next then comes oh huh, well spider-man homecoming all right so one of the best parts of this is and i think we always tell people that if they hadn't seen civil war Make yes, sure you've you have seen, seen Civil, Civil War. War before you see Homecoming, because it almost starts over. It actually starts overlapping with you know before the end of Civil War, right? So yeah, with, you, you yeah. definitely would be out of place if you did not catch that. And I thought that was super clever the way that they connected those. So I think there was also an additional connection with the Vulture character, with the Michael Keaton character, to the first Avengers movie. Oh yeah, so yeah, they're, they're, yeah, it even kind of goes back way before Civil War, yeah, to. Right after the the invasion, right after the, the alien invasion, because him and his crew are kind of cleaning up, and they're like, "Ooh, man, there's a, there's a lot of good goodies here." <laughs> yeah. And then the rug gets yanked out right from underneath them, and that kind of flips him to go in the direction that he went into. Yeah. And then they, they kind of jump forward a little. Well, there's also links to Avengers Two. Because some of the tech that they're selling was like, hey, uh, this is the, uh, the the ham from Ultron, you know. <laughs> so, so he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. So, and then they've been making, you know, frequent references that that ties into the several different MCU movies. So that that was very well put together, put together as well. And I will say, so usually I have a problem with the Spider-Man villains because I feel like they are usually very cheesy. I mean, even when you watch the cartoons, I mean, like Rhino and. You know, all these things. Even Doc Oct. I mean, he looks pretty silly in the cartoons. But this one makes sense because you understand his motivation. And you understand what puts him on the track that, that he goes to, down towards. Right. And I thought, I mean, he's the vulture. And I thought that he, they did a really good job with him. I mean, first off, it's Michael Keaton. And he's amazing. <laughs> he's made whether he's good or bad or it doesn't matter what he does. <laughs> yeah. He's usually always kind of a little quirky anyway, you know. And I guess his tech is some of the recovered tech, and that's what he's being able to use as his vulture getup. And so it makes sense. It's not that he's been, you know, powered up by something weird or, yeah. you know, anything like that. It's, you know, he's kind of like a crime boss and just wants to, and, you know, among other things. But And the vulture is very finny since he's scavenging this tech yeah. from the, the aftermaths of these earlier uh, disasters. So. Yeah. 
perfect. So I thought they did a really good job with the villain. It wasn't cheesy because I feel like if we were to look at the vulture in one of the cartoons or the comic books, he looks probably pretty silly. Yeah, he does. You know, he really does. And, <laughs> so Michael Keaton uh, made the vulture cool. D- doesn't make sense, which I'm glad yeah. they just kind of got rid of that as well. So yeah, they did a great job with his villain. Um, and the way that they that, that it gets tied in with Iron Man and Shield just just fits very well as well. Also, and I believe there's just the one villain, right? For in Spider-Man: Homecoming, there was just Vulture. Yes. Yeah. Which well, is, I mean, he has his. Crew. I mean, he's got his crew. Well, yeah. So he also has a lot of run-ins with his crew as well. Right. And one of the members is the character where, in a different Earth, is the Prowler, the the Spider-Man Miles Morales Prowler. Right. But you know, in in this Earth, he's not the Prowler, but you run into that parallel character, which is uh, played by Donald Donald Glover. Glover. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. A little tie into that little multiverse right. as well, which is really neat. Alright. So what's next on our list? Then we have, well, oh, one of your favorites, Thor Ragnarok. Yes. So this one, again, we had the whole soundtrack going on with, um, <laughs> I think, Immigrant, the Immigrant song, um, which I, it was just a lot of fun. But this one it was different. So one of the aspects I think I like with regard to Ragnarok is that I think on our way to even just go see the film, you were looking up, you're like, who in the world is directing this? And you looked him up and his name is Taiko Waititi. I think he's a New Zealand actor, or not actor, well, he's an actor, but director. Um, well, he's definitely an actor in Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I knew knew of him with regard to his work with Jermaine Clement and, um, and like, what we do in the shadows, which I think I had shown that movie to you. And Very quirky. Yeah, so I knew he's a quirky guy. And so I instantly got excited. I was like, oh, okay, maybe we're in for something a little different. And sure enough, we were in for something a little different. Oh, yeah, you, you definitely get a lot more. F- you almost get, a, you almost get like, Guardians-level fun. Yeah. In this Thor movie. Yes. So. So even even from the opening scene when Thor is captured dangling on a chain and they turn that into something humorous. He's like, oh, oh, wait, hold on. Let me turn around. Yeah. I'm just really slowly spinning here. Yeah. <laughs> So it was really great. I thought Kate Blanchett was amazing for it. She, it, I think this was a totally different type of role that I'd seen her in. Um, I don't know if she's been at that level before. Um, I think most of the time she's a phenomenal actress, but most of the time she's more perhaps a little, not necessarily subdued, but not a villain. I don't think I've ever really seen her as a villain. The closest is when she kind of touched the ring in Lord of the Rings and she became scary for a moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, I thought, did an excellent job here. She was definitely powerful. But that's just, that's just really an answer to her acting ability to being a character that can act such a pure character in Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and then on the flip side just act out this totally demented evil yes. chick in Ragnarok. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's all credit to her. <laughs> yeah, so she was she was definitely evil. So this movie also has Jeff Goldblum in it and he is as quirky as can be. I think the older he gets, the quirkier he gets. And this movie definitely capitalized on that. And it was great. He's kind of like the emperor of this planet. Self-appointed, kind of, somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of holds this gladiator-style ring because he has his champion, which happens to be the Hulk. But yeah, Goldblum, he's like wine. I mean, he's only getting better with age, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
So he's really great. But yeah, this movie is just filled with personality, filled with music. It's colorful. It's great. It's a different side of the Hulk and, you know, the Hulk Very spoke. Very different side, yes. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, some people have had some trouble with that. But, you know, we got to realize the Hulk has been Hulk form for years now. So right. the Hulk has had time to develop. All right, so I think that leaves us with the final movie on our list, and it's one I don't really want on the list. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I really enjoy the movie, and as far as keeping up to what's going on, it is it is required watching at least. In yes. That aspect so as well. this is Infinity Wars that yes. we're talking, or is it Infinity War? I guess just one war. Right? Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah. One yeah. War. Which I found it to be a very annoying movie. <laughs> I was, I, I think I was telling you, I found no joy in this movie. It was just, oh. even from the beginning with Loki. Oh, like, come on. Daggers. Oh, daggers. Yeah. So I understand that we need the movie, but it's just kind of like we, it's like a prologue to Endgame. And it's like, oh, why do we have to watch this then? Yeah. You know, you, you, so I kind of compare it a little bit more to Empire Strikes Back to where, you know, Empire Strikes Back was a very dark movie. Not a lot of good happens. I mean, the, the uh, most of the characters are put in their bleakest circumstance. And the movie even ends with everybody in a very bad situation. So, at the end, you know, there's really nothing good happening. Mm-hmm. And then it's not until the next movie when you see them overcome the situation that they've all been put in. Right. But at least... In that one, I mean, he goes to Dagobah and hangs out with Yoda. We get to meet Yoda. He gets to learn some of his powers. Yeah, he Even makes stupid he decisions, fully. and he leaves when he's only halfway done with his training against the advice of Yoda and against the advice of Obi-Wan. He, he, you see him do something stupid, which puts him in a really bad situation, which he does not come out of well at all, missing a hand and confidence <laughs> and, and, and everything else. <laughs> but at least there was some, some joy. I mean, Yoda. Well, I, I would there. argue that there is some joy in this movie as well. But. <laughs> I don't know. I just was annoyed. All right. But so. in a few short months, we're going to see where we're in a couple of short months, possibly. I mean, we're going to see how all that plays out. All right. So some of the movies that were coming out that we're interested in seeing when we saw this movie are Hobbs and Shaw. So, Corey, tell me about Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. So this is going to be a weird spinoff from the Fast and the Furious franchise. So you got... Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson's character... Jason Statham. Was Jason Statham's character, which neither one of them are part of the, you know, the crew of Fast and the Furious. So they're taking these two characters and doing a side movie. Yeah. Which is them together. And it looks like they still have... Because I think even in the Fast and the Furious movies, they're kind of... Their personalities clash. Well, I not believe. just clash. I mean, Dwayne Johnson, he's he's the a cop. Right. And Sean, he's the, he's his terrorist, practically. So, I mean, he's the, he was the bad guy <laughs> in one of the movies. Yeah, I mean, just dirty, rotten murderers. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll kill without thinking about it. But for some reason, they need his help in this movie. So yeah. So, now they're being forced to work together. Yeah. Which, of course, those personalities still conflict. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it, yes. <laughs> I'm sure much to our own delight. And then we also saw a Frozen 2. Oh, yeah. Our first glimpse of that. That was yeah. unexpected. Which, you know... Because I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't heard any any rumors about it either. All of a sudden, I think boom, I heard a, a tidbit. But yeah, this is the first time I'd seen a, tra- a trailer at all. Um, you know, it's a good reminder that, you know, Marvel is Disney. So, there was definitely a Disney trailer. And it looks like they kind of get... Well, the trailer was really interesting because it looks like they might be trapped, or at least Elsa is trapped yeah. on an island or something. And she's trying to escape... 
the in the ocean, and so she's trying to freeze parts of the ocean so, so she can leave. So and I gotta say, in that scene, top notch animation because the the beach and the ocean. I mean, it almost looks real. Yeah. I mean, I was I was floored with how good that scene looked. Mm-hmm. And then I think we eventually there's another little clip or scene, and you see um, like Elsa and Anna and. Yes. I I keep on forgetting which one is like the moose and which one's the man, but (laughs) the moose is fine. In fact, when when they showed Kristoff riding his moose alongside the the other mooses, I kind (laughs) of got the feel of um of Jurassic World with uh with Chris Pratt? Yeah, with and Chris Pratt and, and Ronnie Olmar with with the pack of I mean, it almost had that same <laughs> feel. It's like, okay, they're trying to go over with some you know real robust action here. <laughs> well, anyway, so they're walking, and we don't know what it was because it almost looked like she you know stabbed us. But they're walking, and we we see the backs of them, and Anna kind of senses something and whips out um, a sword, but I think it's Kristoff's sword, and slashes and stabs something, but we don't know what. So who knows where where this is going. But, uh, but definitely a heroine moment for her. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely, of course, continuing that idea of going against the, the norm or the standard or the stereotype. All right, so the final trailer, this is actually an update trailer, and I'm going to let you talk about it i guess Corey, because you've seen it twice now <laughs> well yeah so you we get a much expanded or expanded view of dumbo than we did yes. w- w- with the original and it looked teaser. a lot less sad so that excited me yeah yeah the very first one was very emotional and sad looking but um you uh get a view of michael keaton's character which we didn't get before yeah he looks like I'm he'll not... be a villain again but uh but very interesting okay so danny devito he almost is reprising the same look and the same role that he had in Big Fish. Yeah. So <laughs> he's uh, the, the leader of the circus. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he's he's always reprising that that same character in this movie. But uh, yeah, kudos for him for being able to pull that off again. Yeah. I just, you know, somebody thought he said, "You know, you did such a good job in this other movie. You'd well, be perfect for doing probably the same." Probably it was Tim Burton <laughs> since he directed both. There you go. That <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, that and makes I think sense. he's already a fan of. Danny DeVito. Oh, yes. The Penguin. Yeah. Way back. Oh, that was... It's a horrible Batman, but Horrible still. movie, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, we've now mentioned it twice, so we are looking forward to Dumbo for sure. But those are the movies that are kind of coming up that are still on our radar. All right, Corey. It's time for a side of bacon. Oh, wow. Almost forgot. Bacon time. Okay. So, remind us who we are linking from our last cast. All right. So, we are linking Hugh Jackman to F. Murray Abraham. And I remember at the end of our last podcast, we, we came with these two actors and we're like, okay, so is there any real easy five-second link? Uh, no. And then once we stopped recording, I completely did not think about that at all for like the longest time. And then we were taking a road trip to Louisiana. We were like sitting there doing that. I was like, oh, I, got, I need something to pass time. So what's our link again? And then you mentioned the two actors and I got in like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't a five second connection. It was a 10 second. It was a 10 second connection. And it is a shorter connection than mine. Although the moment you came up with yours, I was able to reproduce it in my mind. However, I will concede and let you have the full glory of that one. <laughs> and I will give you a three movie connection. So, we have Hugh Jackman to Brian Cox in X-Men 2. Is it just is it just called X-Men 2? The one... Yes. Okay. And then Brian Cox to Matt Damon in The Bourne Identity. Yes. And then... And, and the sequel. I think it was in both of those. 
Yeah. Yes, he was. And then Matt Damon to F. Murray Abraham in Finding Forrester. Ah, uh, yeah. He did have a little cameo at the yes. end as the lawyer. Yes. <laughs> All right. So there is the three movie connection. So Grace has Corey with the two movie connection that you came up with. <laughs> yes, and got, I also then came up with. You got Hugh Jackman to Patrick Stewart. In any one of the five moves that they've been in together in the X-Men universe. <laughs> I'm going to go with Logan. <laughs> and then you got Patrick Stewart to F. Murray Abraham in Star Trek Insurrection. Yes. Which I feel like we keep on coming back to this movie since I used it with James Cromwell and him. <laughs> or not James Cromwell, but when we were doing talking about James Cromwell. Yes. But yeah, so... Well, it wasn't that movie with Cromwell. That was... It was first contact first to Patrick contact, Stewart, then yes. to F. Murray Abraham. So it was still insurrection for Patrick Stewart to F. Murray Abraham. Oh, okay. For that five-second connection. <laughs> so yeah, so we still keep on coming up to that movie, which that is... It's a good movie if you haven't seen it. Um, it definitely, it's kind of a peculiar movie. It's not your normal, I think, Star Trek vibe. So I think for me, that opening scene is... One of the best parts of the movie is, which with, um, I guess, Data kind of is oddly malfunctioned, which is yeah. like, why is well, he you malfunctioned? You think he's malfunctioned, but yeah. there's something He wasn't malfunctioned, yeah. but you thought he was malfunctioned. And not only that, he's like in a suit and you just see like a head or something. Yeah, he just I see don't a know. head pop out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of a crazy, crazy thing. All right, so for my bacon, I decided, so before we kind of ventured off and did our, we decided to do our top 10 picks of the week rather than our individual pick of the week, I was originally going to pick Alien as my pick of the week, mainly because you have a dominant female hero in that movie uh, and there's a cat. So, (laughs) (laughs) and again, the cat gets put in a box too, just like in um, Captain Marvel. So because of that, I decided I wanted to do Sigourney Weaver as my um, bacon pick of the week. So I'm going to stick with Sigourney Weaver. Okay. And since we mentioned a couple of his movies already in the uh, trailer montage, I'm going to go with Danny DeVito. All right. So we have... Oh. Sigourney Weaver to Danny DeVito. So let's think. No quick five-second connection. Uh, not not quickly coming. No. Yeah. Nothing sent me either. So, okay. So we'll, we'll stick with that one. It's legit. Okay. Sigourney Weaver to Danny DeVito. Well, thanks for listening to Movie Shelf. If you would, hit that subscribe button so you get automatic alerts to all of our future casts coming up. And please share us with your friends. And if you're listening on your Apple device, please uh, give us a rating and leave us a few comments and let us know what you think of us. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And also be sure to check our show notes for links to some of the movies that we've talked about. And of course, also our Bacon Connection Reminder. And we'll catch you next time, you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.